Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers discussing topics of faith and family. All right, well, I'm definitely excited on this one. Um, you know, this one I think really just speaks to uh, just kind of where we are in this particular season. And I know we have a lot of um, a lot of experience, um, especially as we get into the, the topic of rest. I know I kind of emulate um, or am jealous of you in a sense because you take a lot of rest and you're always on the go, <laughs> you're always on vacation. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, am, am anxious to hear your thoughts on um, kind of how to just encourage us and believers in the rest in Christ. But um, mm-hmm. when I think about this this title, um, you know, the work for God versus the rest in Christ, um, you know, I think a lot of people um, naturally will think that those two things are pitted against each other, especially because we're using the word verses. Um, right. But it's really just kind of just a challenge of of what are those two things? Um, and, I, and I asked a few people kind of, you know, what did they think uh, this topic? Um, when I say that title, what does that say to you? And there kind of was a lot of, uh, maybe a reticence to like what that means, but um, I'm really just curious and, and anxious to see kind of just the response as we get to elaborate on the, these two topics and really just uh, talk about what that means to the life of a believer. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, um, you know, as we get into the, the topic of work, um, you know, I, th- I think it's just kind of the the embodiment of who we are as, as believers and, and even in a natural sense. I mean, you know, everything we do, we get up and we, we work, right? You know, we have nine to fives, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, we think about people who just love to work. They love to, to get their hands dirty. Um, so I think it's just really just, um, you know, what we were created to do. You know, obviously you look in Genesis, um, you see that, um, you know, God created man and he gave him a, a role. Right. And so I think we mm-hmm. just always have this natural propensity to to live on purpose. Um, and right. Whether some <laughs> know what that that genuine purpose is or not, you know, I think we naturally know what it means to, to work, right? Uh, Bible says, yeah. if you don't work, you don't eat, right? So I think we, we're, we're at least on the understanding that we need to work. Uh, but as the Bible talks about works, you know, what is that, you know, and, and I think that's kind of really what uh, I'm anxious to kind of uh, just really just tackle as, because I, I think that word work is distorted, you know, when we look at it in the natural sense of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting your hands dirty, it's grinding, you know, it's all that. And it's like, right. did we really grind <laughs> in the kingdom? You know, and, and, and does that mean that, you know, if we're doing that, that we're maybe overlooking things that, um, that should be of importance as well. And, and, and really just kind of just uh, absolving all of the priorities, you know? So I, I really think that there was kind of a, a, a misnomer to that word. And so um, just, what, what are your initial thoughts when you think about work? Honestly, it's really simplistic. I feel like every action that we're doing is a work of some kind. So Mm. whether it be a good work or a bad work, it is a work of some kind. Um, So in its simplest form, I mean, you can pull Galatians uh, chapter five right there, uh, plug verses 19 through 21 for the examples of what bad works would be considered. And then if you were just to go to uh, verses 22 and 23, those would be the examples of what good works would be um, illustrated as. And so if you continue to read down on that, which I don't want to go too deep in right now, because I really want to get let you um, really get into what work is. But just that's my first thought of it. But when you just think of that part alone, for those who are familiar with Galatians chapter five, Verses 19 through 21 are the the bad ones. So when you read beyond that, he said, and such like. So Mm -hmm. even though this is just a listing of some of the bad works, there's other things that I'm not listing that are like these that count (laughs) as bad works, you know? So 
um, it kind of just falls in line with the fruits. And we've talked about fruit almost every single time that we have conversations and definitely the last two uh, episodes that we had, I'm sure that fruit was part of both of those conversations. And so fruit is an example or a product of work. Right. So that's what comes to my mind. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. And just kind of, you know, Galatians five is, is one of my, um, I don't want to say quote unquote go to uh, verses, but you know, it is one of those verses that, you know, I like to use a lot because it, it really encapsulates our character. Right. And I, I think you said mm-hmm. it great about, you know, difference between good and bad. And, you know, we know that, you know, each other, people by their fruits. And so it's really a, a good uh, measuring stick, I guess is probably a better way to say it. Um, right. But when I think about work, you know, I, I think about, you know, action words, you know, um, as we take work to a spiritual sense, right? And so just kind of some words that, that, that jump out to me, you know, walk, right? Galatians 5 talks about walking in the spirit, live, be, do, abide, right? These are all action words that speak to our role as a believer, right? You know, these are things that um, are, are commanded or, or declared over us, right? And so Absolutely. Um, these are words I think that we need to take to heart as we follow Christ. You know, he makes us a new creation and we're set on a journey to be conformed to his image for his glory. Right. So everything we do should encapsulate work in the form of doing something. Right. And again, not necessarily saying, Hey, I need to go do ministry. Right. But just in terms of, you know, taking those particular words. um, And again, you can add to the like, right. There's definitely more than those five that I mentioned, but you're starting to look at them as what is the activity of the believer, right? And mm-hmm. how is that translated to who we are and the character and the personality and, you know, your entire makeup, right? I think that is is really where I, I want to start getting people to kind of comprehend that it's not just about, hey, you're saved, go do a ministry. You know, there's a lot more to work than just that. Um, and, and today I really want to kind of just maybe talk about just two primary types of work because um, as we, if you were to kind of take a concordance and look up the word work, I'm sure you'd find a whole bunch of different uh, definitions and different types of work that the Bible talks about. But specifically today, I think we can really just kind of hone in on two um, that really will kind of give us a good uh, springboard for kind of even maybe looking at the other ones, uh, maybe the, at a later time or, or even in your own personal study. But um, the two primary types that I would like to discuss is, is sanctification and service. Um, the first one, sanctification, uh, Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So um, one of the key words is your own, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're to work, right? So you have that word work. And what is fear and trembling? You know, to have the reverence and, and the, the awe of God and in terms of what we've, again, if we're a new creation, taking on the form of that creation, right? So... Um, I was talking to my kids earlier today about the difference between, you know, someone who's normal and someone who, who's abnormal. It's it's easy to understand and, and to point that person who's abnormal because of the features that they have. Right. And so us as believers, right, if we believe that we are set apart, that we are consecrated, that we are, quote unquote, aliens in this world, um, do we look like that? Are we taking on the character of Christ? Are we con- being conformed to his image? Or are we just saying, well, because I'm in that, that that's enough. And so sanctification is a work. Right. It's not. Um, right. You know, salvation is done, right? Salvation is completed. We, we have that in Christ, but the sanctification is our uh, response to that salvation, right? And so um, I, I thought that was a great scripture. And then uh, just one more on that, uh, Hebrews 6, 1. Um, Therefore, let us leave, uh, and that's a key word, the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on mm-hmm. to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. So um, that leave, I think, uh, you know, helps us to understand that there's a, a maturation <laughs> to our, our Absolutely. salvation. Right? 
um, and you know, you see the word elementary there, I think you can kind of look at it either school, right? Like, um, you know, I'm pretty sure if I asked you what you're doing, you ain't telling me that you're still in kindergarten. <laughs> as, as a Lord have mercy. Right? So I, I believe that, <laughs> that we understand that each year, hopefully that we take what we learned in that particular grade to be able to graduate, to go to the next one. So we shouldn't continue to have that elementary doctrine. Um, of course, not in a, in a school sense, but definitely not in our, in our own uh, sanctification that we should be growing and, and again, not having to lay that foundation of repentance, but being able to walk to, from that. So, um, can, any can thoughts I just on say one thing? <laughs> yeah, <go ahead>. yeah. <laughs> so when you, when you brought the scripture out, I had to, because, oh my gosh, as you said, elementary, leaving the elementary doctrine, it gave me that exact picture that you said <laughs> about a grown person still being in elementary school. And so if you equate yourself, spiritually speaking, so again, I'm not talking about someone who just came to Christ today, yesterday. I'm talking about people who have been in this thing and you really should be on another level yes. than elementary. So that in itself, you know, it lets you know that you're, you have some um, degree of choice with where your maturation goes. Because how embarrassed would you be in real life if you actually were 16 years old and still in kindergarten yes. <laughs> or 25 years old and you had never passed elementary school, right? Mm -hmm. Like you would be straight up ashamed that you like literally got held back. I know people in real life um, who back in the day and currently as grown people now were ashamed that they got held back in whatever grade they got held back in. And it was an embarrassment. If you knew people in your grade that, man, you got held back, you got talked about, you got mocked, yeah. you got made fun of. And it was for various different reasons. Right. But like when you're choosing to not do the basic things, which at an elementary level are not challenging at all. You just don't want to cooperate. You don't want to do what you're supposed to do to go to the next level. Um, that lets you know that you don't want to go on to maturity. So you're choosing not to leave because you want to stay in nap time mm -hmm. and playing okay. and doing all the, you know, recreation things that little kids get to do that, you know, as you get older, we don't have nap time anymore. We don't get to have recess anymore. We don't get to have all these other luxuries of elementary things. That's, that's a so. really good point because <laughs> think about this. So you're saying that basically you want to kind of remain in the fun part of that. And the reason why you failed or why you got held back is because of the work, <laughs> right? Yeah. Think about it because, yeah. you know, there's always a reason as to why they held you back. So let's say, you you know, you were, exactly. you were successful in, in certain you know, capacities, but for every grade, there's something that is, is at least a, a minimum requirement. So for example, kindergarten, like, Hey, you got to learn the colors, the shapes, the alphabet, all that. Right. If you don't learn that, we're going to hold you back because that for the most part, I mean, yeah, there's other things that have happened that you probably were great at or, or that you, you know, complied with, but those elementary things or those foundational components to that grade is necessary for you to be able to move ahead. So if you don't learn the alphabet, when you get to first grade, you're not reading, right? <laughs> so so right. it's not like we're just saying, hey, we want you to do this. The work is actually for your benefit so that you can mature, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. And actually, I'll just say this one more part, too, because sometimes it's not that you don't even know the information. You just refuse to do the work when they ask you to mm, do it. Yeah. So you can actually know your colors, your numbers, your ABCs, but you don't want to say them when it's time to show, hey, who knows their ABCs? Hey, I need you to fill this test out. Hey, I need you to do this assignment. So a lot of times it's just you refuse to do the work, even if you know the information. That's good.
So I just want to put that and drop that oh, for that you might, real quick. That might come up later. Oh, goodness. All right. So we'll, we'll move on from sanctification. Uh, just the second form of work that uh, I think we'll maybe get into today is service. Um, and this, I think, is probably the most uh, common uh, or most well-known um, form of work um, in the body of Christ. But uh, Romans twelve six says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. <laughs> Keyword use um, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So we know that God has given us something, um, you know, we got to use it. Right. <laughs> and that is the work element is not just, hey, you know, God has given me a talent. God has blessed me. But if we're not utilizing that talent, I mean, if I was a great singer, I'd be on the worship team. I mean, I'm telling you that right now. You know what I'm saying? If I had a talent, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, I want to use I should want to use that talent. And I believe that God has given us a propensity to 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 have a talent. And so we should thereby then have the propensity to want to use that talent. Um, and then secondly, Ephesians 4, 7, uh, but grace was given to each one of us, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's mm-hmm. gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So all of us have a gift. All of us have some sort of function and purpose to life. I mean, you think about um, um, a potter, you know, and that's kind of one of the the um, the qualities or one of the um, so what I'm looking for. Um, one of the ways that we describe uh, God and, and his uh, work towards us is that he's a part and we're the clay, right? So we're formed right. for a purpose. So if he says, I'm making a vase, what is that for? If I'm using, if I'm going to make a, a water pot, what is that for? It's for holding water. So everything that, that mm-hmm. he created us for, if we have a purpose, we should be walking specifically in that purpose, not getting up and saying, well, I'm mm-hmm. a water pot, but I feel like today I want to be a, a flower pot. That's not what you were designed wow. for, right? <laughs> so we have to realize that <laughs> he gave you gifts, your your response to that and we can go into you know romans uh, where it talks about you know being this is your reasonable service if we went up a little bit on the romans 12 1 is that um we are created and it is our reasonable service to be conformed to this image and to work um in that mm-hmm. capacity and to worship god in that in that facet so um mm. yeah what are, what are your thoughts on that just don't get me started on <laughs> romans 12 and 1 <laughs> that's my thought <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> um, that right there what you said um, that piece of the scripture that says your reasonable service I always translate that in my head to mean that's the least you yes, can do yes <laughs> you know <laughs> if nothing else <laughs> ought to be <laughs> and I mean because right because I mean really and truly we God gave humans such um, a, a, a gift that other things that he created do not have the option to have, which is choice, right? And choice works against us sometimes when we don't employ it correctly. Um, so for us, he's like, hey, I gave you all these gifts, but you get to do whatever you want with what I gave you. You get to use it for me, which is what I would hope you would want to do and choose to do, or you can use it for yourself or the enemy, the world, the devil, whatever. Um, and so, right. And so it's, it's really, like you said, I intended for you to do this, which is why I created you like this or to do this, or I gave you this gift because I gave some to be this, I gave some to be that. Um, so I chose you for this purpose. Will you choose to cooperate with the vocation in which I intended to use you? Mm-hmm. That's good. I, you have a daughter, and so I'm sure you'll appreciate this. But my kids are are one of my greatest illustrations. <laughs> Whether it's oh yeah, me too. Done that 
the Lord then quickens me to like, this is what I meant. Or whether it's them asking me a question that provokes the thought of like, mm, like this is the Lord speaking. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I tell my kids all the time, right? Like, let's say I give them a basketball, right? And a basketball is designed for, you know, using your hands and, and, and throwing it up to shoot. If I see them kicking that basketball, there's nothing good that's going to come out of them kicking that basketball <laughs> because that's not what it's designed for, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the weight and, and the way it's designed, all of that. So exactly. if you use something exactly for what it's designed to do, imagine the fruit that comes from that. Whereas if you try to say, well, it's a ball, like we can play soccer with this. Try that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. Try to do a header that's block really a ball, deep. You know what I'm saying? With a basketball or with a bowling ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, so even oh though it might gosh. have a form of what it is that of something that is naturally designed for that duty, if you doing something, if you're not in your lane with that, you're going to always have opposition to that because that's not what you were designed to do. So when you get into the lane of what God has designed you to do, you'll see the fruit and the benefit of that. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. I was just going to quote uh, Ephesians 2.10 real quick. Is for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. So just to validate that exactly. God has created each and every one of us uniquely, and we have a function, we have a purpose, just as Romans 12 said, that he has given us a gift specific to our proportion mm-hmm. of faith. And so we have to use it in conjunction with what God has designed us to use it. Like my speaking gift might not be your speaking gift. I'm not going to speak to the people that you mm-hmm. speak to. We might not even have the same style of speaking. So stay in your lane right. and do what God has asked you to do. And you'll see so much fruit and, and, and success. And the fact that you're walking the provision of God with what he has given you specifically, not what he has given someone mm-hmm. else. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just love that. That's the deep concept. And, you know, I don't want to take it to other directions, but that has me going in so many places right now because it's talking about identity and purpose and just even appreciating how God made you, you know, when you think about, like you said, comparing the gifts of you have a gift of speaking, I have a gift of speaking. I may not have the same audience or the same style, but you have a, a different audience, a different style. And then comes the whole thing of me coveting your mm. style and the way that you have and your audience and your reach. So that just takes me on a whole other place. And so I, yeah, I'm just going to leave yeah. it there. Well, but... I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I mean, real quick, though. I mean, you, you can respond or not. But uh, there's a, uh, you know, we always hear that the grass is greener mentality, right? And so um, I yeah. heard a song by somebody. Um, I think he lives in Cleveland. So he's in your area. Uh, but the song was called Behind the Glory. And so there's a, a portion at the at the beginning. This is a, It's a, a rap song. Christian rap song. Uh, but at the beginning of it, it there's a, a snippet of a preacher and he's basically saying like, everybody wants to be this person. Like you look at the successful, you know, minister, let's say like you're, you're a singer and you want to be the next Beyonce or whatnot, or somebody like that. And, and so you, you look and you think, man, like I have a gift. I want to be the best at my gift. And they say, you want to be that person, but you don't realize what it took for that person to get there. And the only reason why I'm bringing that up, <laughs> the only reason why I'm bringing Do you that hear up this? is, is, is to understand <laughs> yes. that there was a work and a fervency that came with them getting to the point. So you're Woo! looking at the success saying, man, I wish I could be that. But you ain't willing to put the work in. You're just saying, hey, God, give me a gift. Like, why can't I be that person? And it's like, well, what are you doing with the gift that God has given you? Because he could easily elevate you to that point. But. You know what, I'm saying? Like, what are you willing to do? Because what's going to happen is you get to that point and then you're going to be dropped real quick because you don't have you haven't put in the work or you haven't graduated from the elementaries. Right. To be able to sustain Jesus, what happens when you Jesus, get to that point. Jesus. So and we we can look at a bunch of worldly examples of, of, you know, teenage prodigies that started super young and then now they're in their their, you know, either late teens or, or 
twenties uh, and they're falling way down into drugs and depression and suicide because of the fact that they got mm-hmm. too much too early and didn't know how to process it or wasn't trained properly. And like, Hey, like there's going to be some people coming after you. There's going to be people checking you on cameras all the time. There's going to be, we're in a social media age. Right. And so I, right. can you handle all of the success and in and, and the body of Christ? I think the, the Lord kind of helps us with that in terms of shielding us from a lot of that because if we ain't putting the work in he's not giving you more and that that's a biblical concept you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna let you have a thousand people at your church because you ain't even faithful with 10 so why would i give you a thousand that might be coming to you complaining and doing all these things and need shepherding and guidance and leadership if you can't lead 10 right so they're, they're, yeah, that, that's a whole nother like you said another conversation but I, I felt the need to really just kind of accent that because of the fact that i think that a lot of people want to chase that but you have to understand that that comes with work and those people are where they are because god yeah. entrusted them and, and they were faithful with what god has given them and you know what i'm not even gonna keep going on that but you i just want to tell you that this is exactly why you are my twin <laughs> because <laughs> that is exactly where i would have continued to go for real, because that's what it's about. Yes. So I'm just going to stop because I'm getting excited and I don't want to get off topic. But you know what? It might come back around. So it's fine. We're just going to move forward. And that's well, let me that. Let's go and plug the song. <laughs> K-Drama, Behind the Glory. Christian rapper. Good stuff. All right. Uh, y'all listeners want to hear it. It's, it's a good song. So we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll let that be homework then. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, man. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what is works. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about who we work for. Um, and, and we would hope that this one is an obvious one. Obviously, we work for, for God. Um, Colossians 3.23, 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So um, I, th- I think the obvious is, is who, but why? <laughs> um, and I, I think mm-hmm. that should hopefully translate into how well you work is understanding not only who you work for, but what the purpose of that work should be. Agreed. Thirdly, what are we working for? Um, and I, I think there's three key reasons as to what we are working for. And again, I'm not trying to give an exhaustive list, but I think uh, a couple of things that we should really just kind of hang our hat on um, to kind of help us really just cement what the importance of this work is. Um, first uh, is we work for God's glory. Um, you know, Matthew five sixteen says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So it's not that they can praise you. Because again, right, we want to be elevated mm-hmm. and maybe you want to be the best, but God doesn't want you to be the best because it's for the wrong reasons, because you want pride. It's because you want people to puff you up and say, man, you're the you're the bomb. That's not why you do what you mm-hmm. do. That's not why God has made you good. If you're able to give glory back to God, of course, he's going to give you more because at the end of the day, everything is for him. And if you can recognize that in your work, I think that he will prove you to be a good and faithful servant enough to give you more uh, beyond yourself. So I think that's the mm-hmm. first reason. Um Second one is to confirm our salvation. Second Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. <laughs> so, Jesus, yes. Again, going back to yes, the yes. right? If we practice these qualities, which means, what is practice, right? You know, we can go to Alan Iverson, practice? Like, what are we talking about practice? I mean... <laughs> We should be practicing, and I think that's a, a fallacy and a misnomer that we can think that we can never get to the point where we don't have to practice. Um, but <laughs> if you practice these, 
practice these qualities, you will never fall. I, I don't ever believe that there was a point in time, and I love basketball, so I'm going to use a Michael Jordan reference. I don't ever believe there was a point in time where Michael Jordan said, you know what, I ain't going to practice. <laughs> you know, because it, <laughs> and he's the greatest of all time, but he was at every practice. Why? Not necessarily because right. he felt that he needed it, and maybe he did, And but it speaks to a lot of things if we can put it in a natural sense real quick to kind of equate to spiritual. Um, you're continuing to hone your craft, for one. Um, but I think even a, a bigger uh, and even beyond yourself is as we understand the, the kingdom of God, and we spoke about this, I believe, in the first episode about unity and the family ties that bind is that him practicing, he could be great. I mean, if he went one on one, he probably would say, you know, I don't need to practice. I'll show up. You give me the time and date and it's all good. But the fact that he's in a body, maybe those other people need to see him practice because there's something that they can grab from him. And because mm. he's on a team that he's helping elevate. So he might think he's the best person on the wow. team. But I think the team might need him just as much as he needs the team because he could be great in a one-on-one game because he doesn't have to worry about anybody else. But the fact that we're in this together, he can't go out there and say, because I'm the greatest, we're going to win every game. You have other, four other people on the team that they have to pass the ball to you. You know what I'm saying? you got to pass the ball to them. you got to know where they're going That's to be true. at. So I think even in that sense, if we understand that our works aren't necessarily just for us, you might stop practicing if you thought that was the case because you might elevate yourself to a point where you think you don't need it anymore. And you know what, too, with that analogy that you're using is um, the other players, even if they're not the star or the best player on the team, them not practicing doesn't improve their mm-hmm. game, right? So it's not to say that you're trying to compete with a star person or try to get exactly his level of skill because you may never ascend to that level of talent because just like the Lord said, he gave everybody their own right. ability or their own measure of what he gave as That's their right. gift. So the measure that he gave them is their level and the measure that he gave you is your level. But if you never execute and exercise the level that you have, it will never improve. So even like you were, you were saying, like musically or vocally, you still have to exercise that gift in order for it to grow, to even stay fresh and all those things. And if you're not doing that, then you're never going to even be able to be suitable to work as the team member of that same unit when you come together to uh, play or be in those games. Right. Yeah. Stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one on that. Uh, oh, the, go ahead. Go ahead. If you had something else. I was going to say just the other thing I wanted to plug because I love Second Peter chapter one. That's also my jam and my jelly. (laughs) I got a lot of jam and jellies, but (laughs) in the word, I really do. But um, I just wanted to point out because earlier when you started off, you were talking about the action words and you had said um, do and to walk and to live and all those things. And so um, when you read second Peter chapter one, um, especially like verses three through eight, that's literally everything that they're saying are actions. Like if you do these things, then you will not be unfruitful and you will abound in the work in the knowledge of God. So um, he said from the beginning um, in verse five, I think he starts, he said that, let me go back to it because I'm not at that one. Verse three, he said, he's given us everything. And I always quote that he gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness through knowledge. And then in verse five, he says, and besides all these things, your job is to do this. Add to your faith, which faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, add to your faith virtue and then add to your virtue knowledge and add to that and add to that and add to that. (laughs) So once you add all these things, he says in verse eight, if all of these things that I just told you about are in you 
and they abound in you, that means continually um, are present in you, they will make you all those things that you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of God. So that is very um, impactful for you to know that it's on you, right? It's incumbent upon you to act and do something because you're barren, which means you don't bear fruit, right? Like you can't birth. A barren womb cannot birth anything. And when you're unfruitful, you're also not bearing fruit. So he says, if you do these things and they abound in you, the knowledge of God will not be barren in you. That's really profound yeah, to me. I take it right back to Hebrews 6. <laughs> that if you're just sticking with your faith and not adding any, anything, you're still on the elementary. You're still laying the foundation. You've got to add to that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just everything is just connecting the dots. So, yeah, so good. So good. And 12 and 13 also plug something that you always talk about, stirring up one another to love and good works. You're always plugging that. And it says the same thing. I will not be negligent to always put you in remembrance of these things. So even though you know them, I'm going to keep telling you and I'm going to mm-hmm. keep telling you and I'm going to keep telling you. And then 13, as long as I am in this body, I'm going to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I'm going to constantly remind you of the things that you already know, you've already heard. And why do you have to be reminded? Because I work with grown <laughs> folks that still have to be told to do the same things over and over, even though you know, you know, you know, but you're not doing them, even though we keep telling you daily, weekly, daily, weekly. So this is why. That's why we have road signs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My goodness. No, that's good. Yeah. And I think there's another passage, a few passages of scripture where, you know, he's kind of saying the same thing. And he says, I know that you're already doing these things, but do them even more and more. So, not only are you exactly you might think you've arrived, but keep on doing it and even do it greater than what you're doing right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm applauding you. However, <laughs> let's keep it up and do it even better. So, <laughs> yeah, it's always an evaluation and a maturation and a continuance. So it's just this this constant. Hey, let, let's let's make ourselves better. Let's continue to elevate in Christ because that, that's what Christ would want for us. So, uh, right. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, so the last point, Amen. I think, on uh, what are we working for is. Uh, I think we're working to expand the kingdom, right? And again, I think that's another um, one of those obvious ones, you know, Matthew 20, 19, the Great Commission. Um, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, I I think one of the key points to this passage, and it really kind of stuck out to me um, kind of in preparation, is, you know, we, we think a lot about Matthew 28, 19. Uh, and anytime anyone ever gives me a cliche verse, I always want to read before and, and after uh, because it's like there's more in context of why that's being said. Um, yes, we know that we're supposed to right. be disciples and everybody says that, right? Yes, we need to be baptized. We get that. But then you go to 20, right? And it says teaching them Come to on. observe all that I have commanded you. Come on. And behold, I went always to the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, we're making disciples, but if you're not teaching them but. to observe, they're probably not going to maintain Hello. as that disciple. And so it really, again, we have to like stop just going to the cliche and just trying to just hit the hammer. Like, yeah, like we need to do this. We need to do that. Yeah. But if we don't do it in fullness, again, we're not using it for its intended yeah. purpose. So go make disciples. <laughs> the intended purpose was to teach them to observe, not just be like, yeah, like Jesus is real. Okay. Yeah. We know that. However, now we have to put that in <laughs> us. And like you said, and second Peter now abide in that and to be able to abound. If we're not taught, we're going to stay on the elementary and then we're not even going to be able to know what it means to be a disciple because we had a false Im- impression of what it meant to come into this thing because all we did was say, Hey, join the party. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so 
exactly. Because yeah. yep. it's kind of two different focuses, right? It's like one is the focus on new converts. Like, like just accept Christ. Mm. Just accept Christ. Okay, we need you to accept Christ and then yes. accept his words. And you accept his words by accepting what he said. And the, the action shows that you accepted what he said, right? Because you're not following it shows that you didn't believe or accept what he said. And, I, and something profound that I just saw this week was your, your behavior follows yeah. your belief. So whatever you believe, that's what you follow. So if you don't believe it takes all that, you're not going to do all that. If you don't believe that it's really dangerous, you're going to still try the thing that it, you have been told or warned about is dangerous. But if you believe something is dangerous, you're going to avoid yeah. that thing, right? So your belief follows your, your behavior follows what you believe. So if you really believe what God says, you're going to do what he tells you to do. But if you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. And that's why we have a lot of people not doing what the Lord has said to do. Uh, And that actually takes me back to the last point of confirming our salvation, because I think we kind of look at that um, as as two different situations. Accept Christ in uh, 2819 and then accept Christ in verse 20. If you ain't accepting them in verse 20, you really probably haven't even accepted them in verse 19 because it's not accept Christ and believe. Like, if you believe, you know what I'm saying? Like, that means that you're believing, mm-hmm. like you said, and that, you know, your your uh, behavior matches your beliefs. Like, if you believe that, then that means that now there's going to be a life change that accompanies that. Not, hey, I'm going to believe and I'm in, mm-hmm. but then don't do anything else. Like, if you're not doing anything else, you're not in. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just like any fraternity right. or, or, or any any membership, any club, like, you can't say, I'm a member of, of GB3, but you ain't never exercised. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got a card, right. but that mug is inactive. And so, again, like, you can't be an inactive Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like, that just don't work. We're going to tell you, yeah. you ain't in the club. You don't go to the gym. That, just flat out. Like, so I, I think we have to get mm-hmm. to that point where we're, we're realizing that a disciple, you don't become a disciple simply by going to the church. You know what I'm saying? It, it is teaching exactly. them to observe all that I commanded them that makes you the disciple because now again, the behavior is now being modeled. And so that is what has confirmed your salvation. Again, go back to second Peter. So yeah, that, that's, that's, a, I might have to uh, steal that. that, uh, that <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, yeah. And the part that goes along with that too is how can you accept Jesus, but not believe all that he is telling you to do? And that's part of like Romans 12, where we're offering ourselves as living sacrifices, because even when um, our obedience is not always exciting, right? Because sometimes we obey even when we don't want to obey, but because we love God and we believe his word is true, we still submit and sacrifice our flesh, right? It's just like when your parents tell you to do something or go apologize to somebody or do something, you really don't want to apologize, but you know you have to go because your parents told you to do it. So you're being submissive and you're still doing it because you love your parent and you're, you want to be obedient. And so how dare we as, as people who say we love God and we accept Jesus, we don't accept his word. So we say, I don't accept that mm. part of his word. I accept this, but I don't accept mm. that part. So when you, when you say, I don't believe that part, you're saying, I don't accept that part, which means that you don't accept wow. him because you can't take part of him. You have to take all wow. of him. Mm-mm-mm. And and just to take that to a natural connotation yeah. is take that to a job situation. Like we love our job. We're, we're, we're there. Everything's going well. And as soon as we don't like something, we're either faced with two situations. One is we say, well, you know what? They're doing things I'm not really approving of. I'm going to go ahead and look for something else. 
which means now you're removing yourself from the situation, which means you're no longer part of that gathering or establishment. Or secondly, you say, you know what? I'm not really feeling that. So I'm going to just rebel. I'm going to stay <laughs> because I like to check, <laughs> quote unquote, the blessing. So I'm going to go ahead and, and kick it, but I'm not doing this thing here. And so then that's almost as bad as the first one, which means once you get to that point, you either need to submit or leave because now that rebellion causes a a certain behavior or pattern of, of behavior that because you're not feeling what they're saying, you're no longer submitting, you're no longer respecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it just comes wow. to all these different negative connotations. Like, because I don't like what you said, now my work product is now going to be less yeah. than because I'm not really feeling how you're doing things. <laughs> you know wow. And so there's always this challenge of change of like, hey, if I'm, if I like the change, I'm gonna go ahead and continue to rock with you. Mm-hmm. You ain't in charge. <laughs> you know so let's, let's, let's back up here. You, know what I'm like, you signed on, which means because you elected to work for yes. me, now you have to trust that where the direction of where I'm going is the best direction. If you said Amen. that at one point and said, I submit to you, Lord, like, I know you want what's best for me. You know, you you want to quote Jeremiah 29 Come 11 on. and all that until he tells you to stop doing something. Mm, mm, mm. Then all of a sudden, Jeremiah 29 11 is like, mm, <laughs> wait a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I, I think <laughs> we really hit That's the head. Deep. I love it. I, I, I'm hoping that people really will just kind of like, evaluate themselves and, and, and we hope that that's kind of the, the vein of, of these these conversations is like we want you to mm-hmm. evaluate are, are you in a situation where you're maybe rebelling from the lord because you don't like what you feel that that rule entails mm-hmm. because all is, is is pretty clear like all Amen. means all and so it's not 99 and a half you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's all so you got to be willing to submit that five percent and not just say well i think 99 and a half is good that's the majority so he's gonna go ahead and have to work with that because this five this 0.5% is, is mm-hmm. all for me. You're already wrong in the sense that you're, you, if you're not hundred percent submitted, that means that there's a portion of exactly. that's not submitted, which means that your mindset will always win out, even though it's a small mm-hmm. percentage, that percentage of, of insubordination will actually rule your entire right. being. If you think, if you, so that, I think that's where the blindness comes in, you know, and we talked about James, like be a hearer, not only be a hearer, but mm-hmm. be a doer is if you're choosing not to do, you're now in a, a quote unquote real close to like playing with the demonic in terms of like saying, well, I don't have to listen to that because he's getting this right here. So I'm going to just go ahead and just do me. And so you really walk in a fine line when you start to let that creep mm-hmm. into your spirit. Oh, we it's getting hot in here. Good stuff. All right. I think the last piece of work uh, that I wanted to get into um, or getting close to last is what are we working with? So we're talking about sanctification, obviously, and um, in our service. Uh, and that brings me to the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to read the whole thing because obviously it's long. Um, but there's a couple of things I, I kind of want to point out of that. Um, obviously, we know that he gave three servants, one, five, one, two, one, one, one. Um, but just some of the key words and, and almost every scripture that we said today, there was a lot of just verbs and, and things that we really can could stick on. Um, and this one's no different, but uh, it's Ma- Matthew 25 for context. Um, but verse 14, um, it says, uh, for we'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. So that's the first word and entrusted. Um, his property. So those three words, um, and then verse 15 says he gave um, according to his ability. So those words, I think, are super profound in understanding what the context of this this entire passage is. And, and I think it goes to stewardship because, again, a servant would be equated to someone who's working for someone else. Um, 
but he entrusted. So <laughs> if you think about it, a regular servant, you don't normally give your servants uh, your, your quality mm-hmm. items, right? So I think even in that, it, there, there, there's a cooperation, I think, that um, is, is being had. And there's a trust. And he's giving them their, mm-hmm. his property, not their own. So everything we have belongs to Christ. So if he gave us this and there's an entrusting, that means that there's a requirement for us to do something with that. Um, and obviously we know the story as it goes in, into, it says, you know, well done, a good and faithful servant to the five and the two that went and doubled. Um, and then to the one who, who hid, um, it says that he dug his into the ground and hid his master's money. Uh, and then gave an excuse. And, and again, we don't have to go into the story, but the, the moral to that is that the reward was based on faithfulness, not the level mm-hmm. of work. It, it wasn't about the fact that one went from five to 10 and one went from two to four. It was the fact that they were working mm-hmm. at it. Um, and so um, that I think is important to understand that we're not just supervising or spectating, but we're actually active. And I think we've been kind of speaking that, you know, the entire day is that um, there's an activity to working mm-hmm. <laughs> right i mean if you're given something there should be a natural desire to want to do something with that right mm-hmm. i mean i don't have a tv in my house and never turn it on right. <laughs> right i mean the propensity of that tv is is for me to watch episodes and to have an enjoyment for that tv so why are we carrying things that we're not doing anything with yeah that um it makes me think about how even in the natural sense like everything that God gives us, including our jobs or actual work, came from the Lord. Um, and so even though we have a boss at our jobs, we still are not to be doing our work as unto man, but unto the Lord. And so even those of us who may be in jobs that don't necessarily love our jobs, but we're thankful for them, we're grateful to have a job, all those things, um, we still work those jobs with pride and not in a, a negative sense of pride but like we are striving for excellence in the work that we do we want it to be pleasing to the lord you know because that's just how we are so if you're a person who just has a character or a spirit of excellence that's something that you do everything you do with as a spirit of excellence right so that's something that should be seen in everything you do and so um in that being said i feel like that in itself is just like contingent upon uh you know, the results of your work. So if you are a person who does not care about having that excellent spirit in your working, um, and this can be in or out of Christ, um, you can be in the Lord and not have a spirit of excellence, um, you know, or, or be somebody who uh, claims the Lord and not work with a, a spirit of excellence. Um, or you can be an unbeliever who doesn't work with a spirit of excellence. There are people who don't believe in God, but they pride themselves in doing an excellent job to the best of their ability. So all of those things, um, you're going to be rewarded based on, like you said, uh, the level of your work based on the ability that was in you to uh, perform it. Right. Yeah. And I think if, if, you know, going off of what you said, if we look at stewardship as we're managing, um, and I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast or if I just in a, in a conversation, but the difference between a manager and a supervisor, right? Because if we're not just supervising and spectating, we're actually in the game and we're actually performing. Mm-hmm. The difference between a manager and a supervisor is the evaluation. So the fact that the steward or the manager is required to now evaluate and, you know, look at cost effectiveness and, and, and productivity and all those things, supervisors don't necessarily have to do that. And so if you're managing, you know, are we looking at ourselves and are we looking at the things that God has entrusted in us and, and constantly making changes? 
So that to me goes back to the point when we were talking about Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, um, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So managers, you know, um, manage people by equipping and discipling. Mm. I think that was one of your points. And so equipping and discipling people, that's our job as managers. Supervisors just kind of babysit if if you will make sure you showed up (laughs) (laughs) yeah make sure you're still being active right you're still you're not just kind of uh being idle with whatever assigned tasks you were supposed to do we can't have anybody just standing around but um yeah the the managers just make sure that things are are happening you are equipping you are very much ingrained into that process of of making sure that people um, have just like, again, it, it even plugs into second Peter with that whole, um, you have everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness through the word of God. And so as we teach them, we teach them through the word of God. We are the ones that give them what they need through the word to be able to execute whatever it is that they're supposed to execute for the job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, managers, even beyond just managing, the people because they realize that that everything has to be managed, that they're able to then evaluate from a spiritual sense, all of these different principles. So we go back to second Peter about, you know, adding to your faith. I think that a supervisor just recognizes that you have faith. (laughs) Like like they're okay at that point because they're just like, okay, like you're coming, like we're, we're great. We're glad to see you. Like they're not really in the nuances. And and I think that kind of goes to like, if we are truly looking at this parable, this parable is talking to everybody, right? It's not just talking exactly. to somebody who would be considered a manager because we're all managers. So, but do we understand that in the context of being able to now say, okay, what am I managing? What has God given me to manage? Because if we've all been given a gift, you might not necessarily feel like you have a responsibility to manage people and equip people, but you do. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you know, to, to be able to now look at this and say, now, how can I evaluate myself and say, which part of these areas am I not doing? Like, a lot of us, it'd be easy to say, okay, I'm either using my gift or not using my gift. Okay, but what about the, the stewardship of all the other things, like your resources, your time, right? All those different things. Like, how are we stirring one another to love and good works? How are we, um, in terms of how we love, how are we doing it, all those other facets? But we can easily just look at work and say, okay, I'm working for God. Like, I, I, I ushered this past week, or I, I played the drums this past week. Like we can look at those little things and maybe just check off a box without having an ongoing discussion with ourselves and with the Lord about how am I doing with what you gave me? And that's really good because, you know, like you said, people don't always realize that what they've been given is actually a gift. Um, Every single thing, every single assignment, every single position you have is, is a gift. But if you don't see it as a gift, you won't treat it as a gift. So therefore you won't work as if you are um, gifted, right? Mm. Um, and, it's, and it kind of goes back to one of the earlier points we talked about where if you're looking at your neighbor or if I'm looking at your gift, like you can do other things that I can't do. And if I'm so focused on what you can do and wishing that I could have what you can do or thinking that you're better than me and I'm less of importance um, or significance because my gift is not as grand as yours in my own sight, not in God's sight and not in anyone else's mind, but in mine right now, my gift is of less quality or less significance um, or less greatness than yours, then I'm not going to walk in my gift or execute or operate my gift because I don't appreciate the gift because your gift is better than mine. Mm. (laughs) Right. Mm. That's deep right there. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and I believe the Bible says, you know, not to compare ourselves uh, to one another, you know, so it's that's not even the the measuring stick is, oh, this person's successful and I'm not, you know, because I think, again, it's are you using it? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it says anything in terms of like use it to this particular capacity and, and give this particular amount of effort. It's <laughs> are you using and being faithful with what it is I gave you? And so yeah. that might look differently for each and every person, but it's the spirit behind it. that I think the Lord is looking at. And actually what's something that you just mentioned too, that goes right with that. So gifts might differ, but there are certain things that God gives us that we all have the same of, but we all, use that gift differently. And time is that one thing. So everybody gets the same 24 hours in a day, but we don't all do the same thing with our 24 hours. And we're not all equally as faithful with our 24 hours as the next person may or may not be. So that in itself is just a prime example that yes, there are some gifts that, you know, everyone is going to have different gifts of this person gets this because God chooses to give whatever he wants to give for whatever reason, because he's God, he can do that. But then with time, we all get the same thing with that. So, you know, that's really a matter of you um, really showing your ability as a manager to manage what God gave you specifically. So how you manage the 24 hours God gave you is based on the ability. And then your choices, like we talked about early earlier, about the choices, what you choose to do with the ability and the time or the resource of time or the gift of time that he gave you. And then I have that same option um, and choice and responsibility because it's not just a choice and a gift. It's also responsibility because if you go back to what you were talking about with the talents, it's God's property. Yeah. You know, God's time is God's property. GP, are you with um, <laughs> <laughs> So it really, you know, and and so if it's his, he's entrusting us to be responsible with it. And he doesn't force you to do what he wants and expects and really kind of demands that you fit in. So he doesn't say, I need you to do 35 minutes of prayer. I need you to do an hour and a half of Bible study. I need you to worship for 35 minutes. I need you to, you know, do all these things. He expects you as you grow to know what you're supposed to do and then willingly fit those things in and you make time for what you want in real life relationships, right? You make time for people that you care about. You make time for things you want to do, activities. I know I talk about that often when it comes to the things of God and and people's uh, kind of priorities when when it goes to their own uh, pleasures and then God's pursuits, right? So that's a whole, whole subject in itself. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's good. And I, and I really want to try to uh, wrap this up because I want you to kind of really hit that and on the rest side as well. Uh, but just real quick, um, you know, about the fact that you said that that's God's expectation. Uh, you know, this man left, right? <laughs> he went on a journey and it said that he trusted, which means that he not only expected, but he assumed <laughs> that you knew what time it was when he said, here, I'm gonna give you this go make it happen right and then you have Mm -hmm. one dude that basically dug it in the ground which means like it was out of sight out of mind like he said hey he's gonna come back one day i'm gonna just make sure that he knows that this is still here (laughs) but like during all of this time that meant nothing to him because when he comes back that's not something that he's gonna be able to utilize if it's it's out of sight you know what i'm saying and so yeah uh, even just in that yeah like you said about the entrusting is the expectation is I want you to do something and look at what he said to the people who did good and faithful. So <laughs> the fact that there was an entrusting meaning meant that 
the requirement was based on what the responsibility was. So if you're just hiding mm-hmm. it, not even thinking about it, and it's out of sight of the mind, there's nothing that you assumed naturally that the expectation was just for you to, to, to duplicate that. But what did that do for you if you hid that? So you're not working at that point. And so you're not a servant because if you hid it, there's no requirement for you. There's no responsibility. And so mm. that's where the evaluation comes into place. So I really want you to kind of, I guess, come back to this when, when we get to the rest, because um, you were kind of saying something about time and, and that we all were given the same 24 and, and all of that. And just kind of real, as we wrap up this work side of it is, um, you know, we are supposed to use our time well. And so I think a lot of times we, we look at our work as, okay, when I'm working, like that's when I'm going to be do the things for God. And then when I'm resting, like that's all for me. And so we kind of go back and forth between uh, what, what work is um, to God and what work is to us. And then when we're resting, that's our time. And when we're working, that's God's time. And so really, I, th- I think you'll really kind of hit that and, and hopefully you can really just kind of tackle that for us. But uh, I just kind of brought the analogy of, of an actual job um, as, because we're talking about work. And um, so I, I just said, uh, we're to use our time well, realizing that our employer has hired us for a task. Uh, while on the clock, we are responsible and accountable for our performance. Our breaks are not required to pertain to work, which is our service. However, in the kingdom, mm-hmm. be careful not to use your freedom idly, which Galatians 5, we talked about earlier, and irresponsibly, as you still have responsibility as a steward to live accordingly, which is sanctification. So even though we're mm-hmm. resting, there's still work that is being done. And so I think that's, you know, as we're kind of pitting, as we're kind of transferring lanes to from work to rest is that our work, which is what we naturally just think of getting our hands dirty is our service. But then there's still a work that's always constant, which is our sanctification. Can I just say one thing that since we're soon to transition, this will be a great example of uh, something that constantly works, but also does rest is the heart, Mm. the organ of your heart. Um, I thought about that as I was kind of doing some meditation about this topic and It's just so simple. Our heart is literally 24 hours a day, every single second, constantly working. It's constantly beating. And if it did not do what it's doing, we would not be alive, right? Mm -hmm. We would would literally cease to exist. Um, So even when uh, medically speaking, uh, they say resting heart rate or resting heart performance, it just means when it's not under extreme or elevated um, work mode, right? So when you're exercising it harder and forcing it to pump harder or faster, then it's working strenuously. But then when you come down and you're doing those restful things and everything like that, then it, it's considered a resting heart rate or rested heartbeat. So your heart does rest, even though it still continues to work. So I just want to plug that as we're transitioning um, when you go to your last point. Okay, so forgive me for even expounding on that illustration by providing <laughs> even a deeper illustration that the Lord spoke to me on that. <laughs> what that says to me is that our mind may stop working, but our heart never stops working. Mm. So let me, let me mm. kind of explain it in a deeper sense is that our heart, is what we're drawn to and what, what what our our devotion is connected to. So even in mm-hmm. rest, your heart is still working in service. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. so our hands yeah. might stop, and and we're not exercising work. 
but we're still working in sanctification always, which means our heart is always mm-hmm. connected to work. It might be at rest, but even in that, there's a work that's done in rest. And so I'm, I'm going to shut up because I really want you to hear that. But <laughs> yeah, you, you, you speaking something. Like <laughs> oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. It, it, it's, it's good stuff. And the other thing I want to also say, just with the time point, Um, I don't know if this fits for later or now, but I just want to plug it real quick because it's brief, is that along with time and also with rest, um, sleep is a gift that God gives us. If you just look at Proverbs chapter, uh, I mean, Psalms chapter 127, verse two, he says, it is vain for you to rise up early. I'm going to say it in King James first and then read it in New Living. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So in New Living, he says that it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives his beloved rest, Hmm. a.k.a. sleep. So if you go even to the one verse before, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builder is wasted. You labor in vain. So. For people who are workaholics, you might need to pray and uh, examine that situation because this is for you right here. <laughs> and, and, and it's OK that I mean, you know, if you feel like, hey, like I want to work, I, I'm designed to work, then submit that work to the Lord and say, OK, like obviously he wants us to work. You know, we, we spent, you know, a, a good chunk of time talking about work, but make sure that your work is submitted in the right spirit so that. You know, if you feel like you're just always constantly thinking and, and you want to get your hands dirty, that's fine, but it has to be in balance. So, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. that to the Lord because we're not saying that work is, is inappropriate. Obviously, that would be out of context, but it, it has its season. And, and so rest also should have its season, you know, and we can go to Ecclesiastes yeah. there as well. But, um, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about rest a little bit. Okay, well, I mean, just first really to um, define, I always like to kind of define it so that we can look at things. And one thing that was really um, fitting and exciting for me to see is that even when you started off with the beginning of your intro and you were talking about the action words of work um, that pertain to the role of believer, that go right in line with the definitions and the synonyms for rest. So uh, the first definition is to stop working or to stop engaging in strenuous or stressful activity, Mm. Um, stop movement in order to relax, um, to refresh yourself or to recover strength. So in other words, you need to pause, you need to slow down and you need to simply just be. Um, And what I wanna say about that part, I just wanna share a very, very uh, short testimony about a trip that I had. So annually I do sabbaticals. So personal trips where I will go somewhere by myself for a certain period of time and literally just try to do that very thing, just to rest, get away from what my life is at home, reset, recharge, do all those things. And so uh, a year and a half ago now, so September would make it two years um, ago, I went to the Cayman Islands by myself. And the type, if you know me, I have been a person who is, I'm a person who's about planning. I love planning things. I like to have details done. I like to kind of know what's going on with certain things. Um, I used to be super, super anal about it like years, years ago. Um, And then at some point, the Lord started really um, dealing with me about just, you know, 
allowing him liberty to change things. And clearly we know the scriptures, you know, man makes plans, but God establishes them. So it wasn't like I was trying to have control and, and be sovereign over my life or anything like that. But just, you know, as much as you can plan something, I liked to do that. And I didn't leave as much room for spontaneity and all that type of stuff. So this trip, I specifically decided to like not have an agenda, just go there and just literally let each day kind of create itself. And it was an interesting adventure for that. Uh, but one of the lessons that I, I left that place from, and I journaled about it on my final day there, was this particular part where the Lord just told me that it's okay to just be. And for me, that was really profound because I'm a person who is about productivity. Um, even when I'm at home, if I'm not physically at a job, you know, that I work at, um, I feel like even at home, I need to be productive. I need to be working on, you know, something. Um, and not that I feel obligated. I just, you know, I don't believe in just being idle and useless. You know, I feel like that's part of me managing my time well being productive and, you know, God coming back to see that I did something with the time he gave me. And so um, for him to say that, it was like, I, I remember sitting in the hotel on the bed and I was just sitting there like, is it, he, I just literally felt him saying like, it's okay to just do nothing right now. It's okay to just literally sit here and do nothing. You don't have to write, you don't have to journal. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to have my journal and I'm going to take this, I'm going to take that. He shut that down <laughs> and confirmed it um, through a book that I had read that was all about, you know, kind of preparing me for my uh, encounter there. And it was just all wonderful. But the whole point of it was just about balance and productivity, um, balance with activity and productivity and rest and just letting everything go. Um, and so that's another thing of, you know, with the rest of so A, just stopping work, but then B, the mental uh, rest is the second component because the stressful activity is also not just physical hand stuff, but it's also mental things. So when you let all go, then that's casting your cares and your burdens upon the Lord. And so even when you think about like first uh, Peter chapter five, verse seven, where it says casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Something that God showed me a very long time ago with that particular scripture was that um, a lot of translation says, that he cares about you. So cast your cares to him. But I received, a, a, I took the liberty to, ex, to expound that download from the Lord. And I took that as cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for it instead of mm. you. So he will worry about it for you so that you don't have to worry about it. So um, that goes along with rest. And so God is our first example. He's preeminent. You mentioned it in Genesis that God rested after he created uh, for all the work that he had done on the seventh day. He um, commanded it in Exodus as part of the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath because he was our example that he uh, wanted us to dedicate a day of rest and we should not do any work. Um, so in that, he showed me like kind of this divine ratio of like, the average full-time person working a schedule. So in a 365 day calendar year, the average person would work 312 days while having at least 52 days for rest. So that's roughly 14% of each year for rest. 86% of the year you work, 14% of the rest of the, the year you rest. So um, God thought that it was so important that in Exodus chapter 23, he said, not only you not work, but your cattle 
and your servants deserve a break so that they can settle down, rest, and be refreshed. So that definition is to give new energy and strength to. So you use your cattle because back in the day, they were your vehicles. They're taking you everywhere. They're working you know, in the, in the heat and, and out in the elements and everything like that. And then you have hired laborers that are serving you. And so God was just showing that everything that has breath deserves a break, mm, <laughs> including your animals and including your, your servants. So, you know, you yourself deserve a break. Your servants deserve a break. Your workers deserve a break. Your animals even deserve a break. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. Um, then that takes you to come unto me, all of you who labor and carry heaven burdens, Matthew 11, 28, 29, come unto me, all you that labor, um, and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And in Amplified, it says, following me as my disciple, let me teach you for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. So that's really, really deep. I'm going to try to quickly unpack that for you really quick, but, First of all, he's saying, first, come to me. I invite you and I am welcoming you. I am always here waiting for you who actually labor. So first of all, you only deserve rest if you labor. Mm. If you didn't catch yeah. that, <laughs> come unto me, all of you who labor. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you think about it, you don't even deserve a break at work until you've done mm, some work. True. You can't just come to work, clock in and just go straight mm. to break. No one does that. You haven't done anything to deserve your lunch break or even a 15 minute break yet. You just got there. Mm. <laughs> so you don't deserve rest until you work. So then he's saying, so those of you who labor come to me and those of you who carry heavy burdens, you're carrying burdens that I did not give you. And so then that goes back to Peter where um, I quoted that scripture of um, cast all your cares and your burdens unto me because I will care for them instead of you. You don't have to take, you don't have to carry those, lay them at my feet, give them to me and I will take care of those for you. So the burdens that you're carrying, God did not give you those. And then he says, I will give you rest because I didn't give you the heavy burdens. So come to me, you who are laboring, you who have heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke, a yoke is a, a contraption that hitches two animals or two creatures together so that they can uh, work in a field, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're going to work in the field. They're going to plow in the field, being hitched together by this contraption. And so uh, yoke, if you think about it, uh, maritally speaking, people say, I'm going to, let's get hitched. I got hitched. Hitching is a reference to yoke. So when you yoke yourself to a person, it talks about being unequally yoked. You don't want to hitch yourself to a person who you're not supposed to be hitched with because that can be burdensome to you if you're not Amos three and three, um, two walking together unless they be mm. agreed. So do you, does it make sense so far? Yeah, and that's I, I like how you you, <laughs> you use that yoke because you know I think you said two people connected together. So the fact that he says mm -hmm. my yoke <laughs> means that we're now hitched to Christ, which means that. We need right. to understand what that yoke is. Number one, what are we connected to? And like you said, an agreement. And then secondly, recognizing that that burden is light. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, mm -hmm. wow, that, that's, that's a lesson. In yeah. And, <laughs> and so it, it goes back to something we talked about earlier is accepting Christ. Like when you were talking yeah. about accepting Christ and then accepting his words, the command. So Amos three and three is let's walk together. If we agree. And so he says, come to me, learn from me and let me teach you as my disciple because I'm humble and I'm gentle in heart and you will find rest as you let me teach you. 
but you won't find rest if you don't let me teach you. Mm. If you don't learn from me, you will not find rest. And so a lot of people find themselves not in a place of rest or being able to uh, be in a place of rest because they're not hitching themselves with, with the Lord. They're not coming into agreement with the Lord. They're not accepting and uh, uh, walking with the Lord in agreement and alignment like that. And if you won't learn from him, you're not going to... Um, you know, give him your burdens. You're not going to cast your cares upon him and let him take care of those things for you because you are going to continue to have strenuous and stressful mental activity when he is telling you that you don't have to worry about those things. Mm. So the final question for that point is just what rages in your soul because he can quiet the noise that's within there. And so the last thing I just wanted to plug as far as rest is the Mary and Martha um, story. So it's found in Luke chapter 10. Um, I won't read it, but I just want to summarize the points for you. Mary and Martha were sisters of Lazarus. They were a family who lived in the city of Bethany. Jesus came there and uh, Mary welcomed Jesus into her house in verse chapter 38. So she received him into her home. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet and was listening to him, receiving from him whatever he had to say, like, can you just imagine the Lord coming to your house right now? Would you not hang on every word that this man had to say? Absolutely. So that's what Mary was doing. She's like, man, I've heard about Jesus. Absolutely. He's coming here. I'm not doing anything. So she sits at his feet. She's listening to the word. Martha, verse 40, was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. I invited this man to our house. I have to host him. I have to feed him. I have to make this great dinner. I have to make sure everything is, is looking right in here. And I just have to make sure. And you know, back in the day, they were doing everything by hand. There was no going to Boston Market or Chick-fil-A, making somebody, picking up some takeout and bringing it home. They were doing everything by hand, mixing doughs and slaughtering things and, you know, everything the whole nine. <laughs> so it was, she was very busy instead of, understanding that if the Lord really was concerned about food, he knows how to manifest a meal for us. He fed his own servants. He fed his own disciples with fish. It just appeared. He knows how to do that. He's here for you to receive from him, right? He doesn't need that from you. So Martha in verse 40, um, want, wanted her sister to join her in her work. So she's working hard to try to host and impress Jesus and serve Jesus. She's trying to serve him and she's working hard. She's busy. She's distracted trying to serve the Lord because he's in her house and I have to serve him. And she's mad that her sister will not help her with the duties that Martha put upon herself. So Jesus, she goes complaining to Jesus, tell her to help me. She's not in here, you know? And Jesus told her, she's like, he's like, look, you are full of cares. Cast your cares upon me, right? Because I'll care for them instead of you. You're worried. You're troubled. You're bothered. You're anxious about many things. And your sister, verse 42, at this moment, only one thing is necessary. So everything that you're worried about, that stuff is not even important in this moment. What matters right now is what your sister is doing. That's what matters. And she understands that. Mm. So... In one thing that you had said earlier, you were talking about, um, you know, we're not just supervising or spectating, we're active. And so Mary was actively listening and receiving from the Lord while she was resting from physical labors or other acts of service. 
So again, with the heart always constantly in, in work mode and still being able to be in rest mode, Mary was actively listening. And why do I say this in um, this way? Because sometimes we can be listening, but we're not actively mm -hmm. listening. We're not paying attention. We can sit in a service. We can hear the word of God, but we're not actively engaged. We don't even know what just got spoken to us. That parable of the sower comes back around because then comes the, the wicked one to snatch that away that was sown in the heart. So the, the seed was sown, the word went forth, but immediately it was snatched away from you and you have no idea what word was mm -hmm. even spoken There's because you were not actively yeah. engaged. Right. So she was actively listening. And so I, I know that if you've been in any kind of professional circles or even counseling circles, they talk about per active listening in ways that you show that you're actively listening is eye contact and body language and things of that nature. So active listening, that's why I keep saying actively listening and receiving from the Lord while she was resting from physical labors. And she also was resting from mental labors because she wasn't concerned and worried about things as her sister Martha was. So that's all I really had for rest. If you have anything that you wanted to add on that, please, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you uh, brought up the heart situation because immediately the, the first thing that came to me was heart attack. And mm. when you look up, um, <laughs> of course, we Google everything. But if you look up the <laughs> Mayo Clinic definition, which you would say that that's a reputable source for, uh, for medicine, um, their definition mm -hmm. for heart attack is a heart attack occurs when the flow of blood to the heart is blocked. Now, let's just pause mm. there for a second. Spiritually speaking, <laughs> our rest should be to go recharge to the source, right? So the fact Correct. that we are now mm -hmm. limiting that that connection is what now forces our heart to be attacked. So again, you talked about strenuous activity is what gets your heart rate pumping and all that. So your heart is being used, mm -hmm. right? Which nothing wrong with that. I mean, we exercise every day. And we're not at risk of just dying from a heart attack, right? Unless we're overdoing it, right? Um, so we're mm -hmm. always at work. So there's nothing wrong with working. But then once you overwork and you don't rest, this is when you're now in danger of this. Um, mm -hmm. Also, it's not just work. It's what you feed yourself with. So obviously, like, you know, we know that um, blockages can occur from, you know, cholesterol, fatty foods, other type of stuff like that. So stress, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you mentioned mental and, and all of that. So it's not just physical labor. It's, it's the other thing. So and you, you, you said it uh, very profoundly about, you know, your cares and, and, and all of that. Um, I, I think that understanding the fact that these two things work in tandem with one another, but then also can be a detriment to one another if we don't use them wisely and if we don't put them together. So that was right. definitely the thing that really spoke to me. Um, and then just that Mary and Martha, I think, really just speaks to the fact that um, there is work to be done, but there's a time and a place for that work. And so if, if you mm -hmm. put that in the context of what was happening... You knew Jesus was coming over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can order that much. Like, why are you cooking Winnie's there? You know, and have that already ready. And so, mm -hmm. again, I, I think that speaks to going back to your 24-hour situation is that she got distracted because at the time where she should have been working, she wasn't, right? So she might have been resting when she shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And rest, in its mm -hmm. proper sense, again, goes back to you don't rest unless you work. So now you're working when you was resting when the work should have been done already. So, so she mm, had her rest mm, backwards, mm. which meant that she's resting more than she's working, which means that she's not working properly. So that I think is, is kind of the takeaway for me because the fact that she's doing something that she shouldn't in a normal sense get in trouble for, which is, is serving the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. Why is it called a distraction? 
it's because of the season in which she's doing it in and the fact that she doesn't have the true understanding mm-hmm. of the serving the Lord that was necessary at that time was worship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you said, is resting. Right. Like the fact that if Jesus is coming to the house, everything is stopping for me. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I have to understand that that is the most important thing to me at that time is that reconnection. Not anything I can do for anybody else because if I don't get me and him right, Anything else I do is all for vain at yeah. that point anyway. And I think you mentioned that scripture, the, those who labor, if if not uh, for God, they labor in vain. So unless the Lord built the house, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. it's just going back to all those things is that they work together, yet they're separate. But if you don't understand when to work and when to rest, or you don't even understand what rest is, and you're just going to constantly be a workaholic, you're going to miss the opportunities to reconnect. And you're going to end up having a heart attack sooner than later because of the fact that you find yourself only doing one and it's not in balance. Yeah. And so two things I just want to say on top of what you just now said. So one, um, the rest is also, like I said, in definition to refresh yourself. So Mary was doing something, sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving from him to refresh herself. God, his spirit gives us Mm -hmm. new strength. He, uh, strengthens us. He empowers us. He gives us new energy. So that's what Mary was doing. And so one thing I kind of want to leave people with on this thought of rest too, is like, what actually replenishes you when it comes to rest, right? Because there's like a a restorative rest and there's like a recreational rest. Recreational is kind of like a frivolous, you know, like fun that really has no bearing on anything. It's just like, you know, I think we talked about it before, like playing video games, going fishing, whatever, whatever. That's a form of rest for some people. Um, But then there is a restorative rest that actually does something for you on the inside. And Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus was doing a restorative type of rest, not a recreational type of rest. And so if you're saying like video games are restorative, that's not true because it's not replenishing your energy. It's not doing anything edifying for you. Um, That's a recreational thing. And if that's what you choose to do, okay, a lot, a designated, disciplined amount of time to that, but don't sit here and be out there like a weekend for 72 hours (laughs) and you've just been on the game except to use the restroom, (laughs) you know? Right. So I'm just saying like, you have to consider like, this is just kind of food for thought, like what types of things actually replenish you because you and I talked about it. Um, And we talked about worship. And I said that, like, for me, worship replenishes me. So worship would be one of my uh, refreshers. But for someone else, worship is work. So depending upon the person, one thing can be work, but to another person, it can be rest. And it's the very same thing. That's good. I'm just, I'm taking notes for myself because that is super good. And (laughs) the thing, anytime I, I use, I talk about rest, sometimes I use, or not rest, but anytime I talk about recharging, Um, I talk about, you know, the example of a cell phone, right? So anytime your cell phone Mm -hmm. is not connected to the source, it's depleting itself, right? So let's let's just think about the difference between recreational and and replenishing for for a quick second. So you're using your phone. Let's call that work. So you're on an app. Let's say you're on um, Outlook or you're checking an email. You're doing something that the app is connected to work, right? So while you're doing that, your phone is Mm -hmm. depleting. Right. Then you say, you know, what? I'm going to rest. So I'm going to go on ESPN or I'm going to go on Candy Crush. Right. You're still using your phone. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's recreational. So mm-hmm. you're, you're still depleting in a sense or you're at a point where you're, there's a stagnation to the working. 
but you're never going to recharge your battery until you actually connect to the power source. And that I think is profound in terms mm. of what you said about the difference between restorative and recreational. Because again, you might think that, hey, I'm depressed. I'm just going to go eat some ice cream and watch a Netflix movie and think that that's going to make everything better. But unless you submit yourself to the, the authority of God, you will never recover yes, from that Lord. situation because you're not pointing yourself. You, you're, right. you're basically just masking what's in front of you until you connect yourself to God and submit that situation mm-hmm. to God. So I, I love the, the way that you put restorative versus recreational because they are super different. And most people just say, you know, what? I'm just going to relax. Relax and resting are two different things. And so yeah. I, I think that is, is really just <laughs> helping people to connect the dots to, yes, those things are great. And we're not saying don't do them, but if that's all you're doing in terms of your rest and you don't have a, a restorative rest, you've got this whole thing mixed up already because again, you're still just going to mm-hmm. wake up from your rest and, and just continue on the depletion of where you already were. So it might've stopped your battery, mm-hmm. but you ain't, you're just on, on standby. You know what I'm saying? And so until you connect again, mm-hmm. you're basically starting at 42% instead of going back to a hundred at the beginning of the day. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, I, I think that right there is, is awesome. really something for me that, that I want to meditate on and, and, and really just to applaud you because um, I learned a lot from rest by watching you because you know, you do take a lot of sabbaticals and you do. Um, and I would say I rest. I feel like I, I take good care of my body. But in terms of really just like checking out and saying, hey, I'm taking myself to Hawaii or whatever the case may be. Like you really put a high value on finding something that is great rest recreationally. But even in that, you find a good restorative way to do everything to the glory of God, even in your rest. So I just want to applaud you for that mm-hmm. because I've even used your example in that. And even this year started that process of saying, you know what, every three months I'm going to take some sort of weekend trip just on a Saturday so I don't take too much time away from my family or neglect the things that I need to do but just take a weekend get it in obviously go visit the church and you know still plug into the source but I'm checking out from every other Amen. responsibility other than my responsibility with God so I'm being married Amen. while I'm out you know what I'm saying uh, but Amen. I'm so um, yeah I, I think you know you, you've been a good embodiment of that to me so I just want to appreciate you for that to God be the glory. I am just humbled and honored for that. Um, I do want to plug. I do want to plug the acronym that came to my mind because you brought it out with your cell phone example, and uh, my acronym for rest, just to kind of steal my whole um, nugget on rest is R recharge, E energize, S sit still and T take it. Mm. It's a gift. Recharge, energize, sit still, take it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So just to, to kind of bring it to kind of an application um, and to connect the dots. Um, I think one thing that, that stood out to me is um, are you looking for something to do or focused on something to be? Um Work is always going to mm-hmm. be there. But again, going back to why we work and who we work for, if we're stewards, that means that we're entrusted with something, which means it's not our gift or our purpose to create. It's our purpose to go back to the source to find out. So if we kind of look at even an example of Moses, like he kept going to the mountain for his instruction and for worship, mm-hmm. right? Like there's so much more connected to rest than just resting, obviously. I mean, also, obviously, mm-hmm. there's rest in terms of us relaxing, but then even in that is as we're recharging, we're getting more juice to be able to perform what God wants us to. And in that rest, he will give you the provision exactly. <laughs> as well as the, the, the spirit to be able to continue. Because 
you work too hard. I mean, it's hard, right? So to, to continue to be at work without mm-hmm. resting, you're going to find that you're not going to be able to work as long or as hard or as diligent as you want to if you don't stay connected. So um, so that was one mm-hmm. thing. And then uh, just another takeaway is that we can't work harder than we worship. So if we're not connecting mm-hmm. to God, if we're not continuing to find rest, there's no work that we can ever do that will ever trump serving the Lord in worship. So there's nothing, no ministry, mm-hmm. no... Hey, like I, I'm, I spent time with my wife. I did this. There's nothing we can do that outdoes worship because everything we do should be worship. So mm-hmm. if we are committed to worshiping God first, it will make our work so much more glorifying to him as we recognize that everything we do is because of worship, not because we're simply supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So if we have a spirit of work and not a spirit of worship, I think that will always be connected to working and doing something. And our faith will always be connected to works and not worship. Mm. That's good. I just would um, add as far as application on the rest side that um, just I encourage anybody listening just to be intentional about being refreshed in your mind and your body. Um, And just think about how you can actually start right now um, dedicating time, you know, just kind of allocating your time to pray, study, hear the word, um, and then just be creative, like I said, about what replenishes you. Like, think about what actually restores you, energizes you, and um, be creative. Don't do something that you feel is going to be like, oh my gosh, it's a hassle, or oh, this is so grievous. Like, it's not supposed to be like um, something you don't want to do. You want to look forward to this thing, um, and you want it to be something that actually will energize you. So, Uh, Don't do it as something just to check a box and say that I did it, but make it something that you really will endeavor to pursue and and weave it into the fabric of your life. Um, And everybody's situation is going to be different. Everybody's household or family structure is different. So, I mean, David has the, um, you know, the every three months thing is working out for you. And as often as it can fit into your life, just make sure that you do it and don't make an excuse not to do it. So um, allow yourself to actually rest and it be okay to just be and literally check out, you know, give God your cares financially, mm-hmm. emotionally, yes. family issues, like anything that burdens you, your kids, your spouse, your parents, your job. I mean, whatever it is, give it all to the Lord and just check out, give it to him and let yourself receive that refreshment from yeah. him. And for those who uh, enjoy working, um, you know, feel free to work, uh, but just recognize the work is not just the work of ministry. It's also the work of sanctification. And so don't neglect your relationship with the Lord, uh, which also a rest has a lot to do with that. So, yeah, we're supposed to serve God through our works. We're supposed to, to produce good fruit. But that comes a lot in, in line with our sanctification. And so we have to continue to draw to the source, continue to leave elementary truths and, and move forward and mature. Um, and that's adding to our faith and there's a character element to that. And so um, all of it points us back to Christ and, you know, we should want to abide in him and abiding in him, you know, for the purpose of provision, but also abiding in him because we love him and because we, we want to rest in him. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, he gives us the power to run and the peace to rest. So, um, you know, just know that, that God has given us the authority to work and also the authority to rest. And so to be able to apply both of those to our life, mm-hmm. I think is, is profound and, and being able to see behind the glory. Like we, the, the grass will always be greener because we see the fruit of somebody who's doing something well, 
when we can be able to look at that, receive that in our own spirit and say, okay, God, what have you commanded me to do? Let me take what's good and let me learn from somebody and then walk forward in that, in my own skin, in my own spirit and what you called me to do. So don't want to be somebody else um, unless you're following them as they follow Christ, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> which means you're then going to be yourself right. just emulating the qualities that, uh, that bring glory to God. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm super full from today. I mean, I know we, we talk and obviously there's something we do together, but um, even just being a student today and just receiving so much and, and learning from uh, being a worker, but also being a, a rester. So, um, you know, my heart is full from, from just what the Lord has given us today. Absolutely. Likewise, I'm definitely <laughs> fed to the full and overflowing. <laughs> well, let me pray for our listeners. Um, God, I, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I thank you for um, your command, Lord. Um, we, we are to exhibit um, and, and stir one another to love and good works, um, but also um, not to get it twisted that we um, also need to rest and abide in you, Father. So um, just with everything that you put on the table today, God, uh, may we just be able to be stewards that are our managers that are able to evaluate and um, to oversee and, and kind of just take a bird's eye view of, of how are we in our working, Father? How are we in, in doing the things that you've called us to uh, with the gifts that you've given us? And how are we in uh, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, Father? Um, let us look at that um, and, and have a desire to mature in Christ and um, in areas where we fall short. God, let us come to you. God, we know that you are our source, um, not only for um, works, um, and you are the um, empowerment of those works, uh, but also you are the source of our rest, God. And so when we feel that we've just um, overdone it or, or just put too much of our own effort without relying on you, Father, let us uh, come to your cross, Father, and let us lean at your feet and um, just worship you, Father, um, as, as Mary did. She realized, God, that um, nothing was more important than, than getting next to you. And so um, I, I pray that our listeners, God, would, would just um, take heed to that, that, spirit father to do those four things of rest god to be able to to recharge father and to um recognize that it is a gift that you've given us father not to be ashamed to slow down and to stop uh, because god you you rested um and so um we have you as an example and so just realizing that um uh that jesus he he went to the mountain and he he um took those moments away from the crowd and um he also even took his disciples to show them and to teach them and um, even in those times, God, where he was resting, he was still praying and he was still talking to you and he was still downloading from heaven. So, um, Lord, let us realize that there's even work for those who are workaholics and rest. And so um, just help us, Lord, to apply all of these principles to our lives. Help us, Lord, as we continue to teach and expound um, to uh, to not rest on something that we practiced in the past, but let it continually be something that we are doing in our spirits, Father. And just thank you so much for your continued um leading in our lives father uh, bless all of our listeners um, until next time uh, be with all of us in jesus name amen thank you for listening to her bro his sis catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you our family in christ want to chat or just stay in the know catch us on facebook and instagram at her bro his sis